We're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Hey everybody and welcome to the True Crime Squad. This is Katie Weaver here with my sister, co-host and partner in going to court today, Christy Brower. Hello. Hello. Hey everybody. <laughs> I'm tired. I need a nap. <laughs> Me too. I've been cuddling with the dogs for a while. Me too and I'm like, I gotta get up. I'm gonna fall asleep. <laughs> I gotta get up. We have a show. What am I doing? It takes a lot of energy to sit in that courtroom on those pews and also behave the whole mm-hmm. time even though there were lots of things that I wanted to elbow you and snicker about and I I know we had maintained to not to snicker mm-hmm. but Although. that's why we're here to tell you all about it yes so, we did go to court today mm-hmm. uh to to witness court uh <laughs> for the De Belvalo matter uh they had court at well they published 9 a.m. this morning, but it was actually 9.30. So we got there at 8.20. Yeah. So we waited a really long time. When we got there, there was a portion of the side of the parking lot that was all uh, Ooh, taped off. We figured that's probably where they were bringing Lori in. To. Yes. Yeah. So Lori is in the jail in Rexburg, and Rexburg's about 20 minutes away. Mm-hmm. Chad is in the jail in Fremont County. And the jail is literally right through the parking lot from the courthouse. So yeah. they literally just walk him over uh, way smaller feet. But Lori comes, of course, uh, you know, in, in a police car and is transported there. And so it's a little different to get him there from separate jails. Mm-hmm. When we got inside, there was a big sign on the door that said that the line for De Belvalo uh, court starts here. But there was no one in line, so we went inside, and there was uh, an officer standing there who gave us each a number. Um, I was two. And I was three. So So weren't that many people in line. (laughs) (laughs) If that tells you how early we were. Uh, They weren't letting anyone in the courtroom for a while till it was uh, prepped. And uh, I think they were... I. My impression initially was that they were waiting for both uh, prisoners to be in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. Eventually, they did finally let us in the courtroom, and uh, Chad was already there. No, he wasn't, was he? He got no. there shortly after we got there. Yeah, he came in after we did. Yeah. 
So uh, we did have to go through a metal detector and whatnot, like you'd expect. Um, I gotta say, I was surprised there was a metal detector in that courthouse. It makes me wonder if maybe they just started having one for because of this case. Right? I've been there before as a social worker, and they didn't have a they never didn't have a, a metal detector then. But yeah. it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, we got inside and had a seat. We were sitting right behind Nate Eaton. Mm-hmm. I was like watching over his shoulder while he was uh, typing and posting and stuff. Dude can type. It's no wonder he's such a good uh, journalist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was ripping his article out. He, he was, was doing it from a computer, though. I did it on my yeah. phone and I liked it so much better on my phone. Mm-hmm. He, you could hear him clicking through the whole entire um, mm-hmm. hearing. Him he was and balancing that on his knee the whole time. I was like, ugh, give me a phone any day. Yeah. The guy next to him was doing the same thing. There was a guy right behind us doing the same thing. I was jotting things down in a notebook. The lady next to us uh, from the Rexburg Standard Journal was writing shorthand. Mm-hmm. And she was absolutely flying through a notebook. She was. <laughs> she she filled probably three quarters of a notebook. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I wasn't going for full transcripts. Uh, yeah, no, me either. Yeah. We were going through for the basics. Uh, Christy, you did an absolutely killer job of Thank live you. tweeting the entire thing. Three hours worth of uh, court that she live tweeted in our Facebook group. So yeah. huge props to you. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, well, thank you. It was very interesting. It was very interesting to document the whole thing as it was it was, it was playing out. Mm-hmm, for sure. For sure. So uh, then Chad came in. I uh, want to say that his uh, hot pocket hips have diminished significantly. Chad was thin. He's looking thin. Not mm-hmm. as thin as Lori. She is scary thin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he is definitely looking thin and yeah. looking older. You know, it's toll. Mm-hmm. The toll is being taken on both of these two. You can, they they look like they're in their mid 40s, you know, yeah. late mid to late 40s because mm-hmm. they are. Yeah, they're both about 50. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Once Chad and Pryor came in, Pryor stood right in front of uh, the courthouse in the, of the courtroom, kind of right in front of us, a few rows ahead of us, mm-hmm. and BS'd with Wood for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And they were both smiling and laughing and yeah, way friendlier than you'd think because Pryor acts like he hates Wood mm-hmm. um, in, in other uh, proceedings. But they were super chill and friendly, or seemed to be. It's that um, typical attorney thing that they're all friends behind the scenes, but then mm-hmm. they're adversaries in court. You hear that all the time, but mm-hmm. that was very clearly true here. Yeah. Um, Pryor showed up to court as red-faced as he normally does. Yeah, he was from from the go, uh, walking in the room, mm-hmm. bright red. I just think, yeah. is he got, like, really high blood pressure, or does he drink, or what? You know, what, he's, man. Like, bright red. Bright red. Yeah, makes you wonder what... If he's okay. Uh, yeah. We were a little surprised by how short Wood is. What's that <laughs> little dude? Pryor was significantly taller and much broader, much larger person than uh, Wood. Oh, yeah. Much bigger. So I mentioned to our younger sister, I'm like, we were really surprised by how little Wood is. And she goes, well, duh. Don't you remember him from high school? And I said, we went to high school with Rob Wood? And she said, yeah, you did. Oh, oh. well. Anyway, we went to high school he with him. I don't remember. He's a little younger than us. I he's guess. a little younger than us. She so said. she would yeah. remember. She's quite a bit younger than us. Okay. Mm-hmm. Apparently mm-hmm. so. <laughs> but uh, uh, Lori, Lori was wearing black slacks, these tan 
kind of looked like Sherpa slippers. I wasn't quite sure what was mm -hmm. on her feet. That was a little odd and, and definitely not with the outfit. Uh, I guess that's the jail outfit. Uh, she had on mm -hmm. a kind of a dusty rose button up the front blouse mm -hmm. that was very wrinkled. And, and kind of too big for her. Definitely, she is yeah. so tiny. She's mm -hmm. the skinniest I've ever seen her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was snapping half thin, really yeah. thin. Uh, her hair was in those kind of like the, the prison curls that she showed. Yeah, the with, real reality know? curls, mm -hmm. kind and of bright red gel lipstick. <laughs> mm -hmm. But definitely all made up. Mm -hmm. uh, her hair is like dirty dishwater blonde, but she's got about this much of darker brown gray roots on top. Yeah, definitely growing out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we were maybe 30 feet from Lori. Yeah. We mostly just saw her back, you know, except for on, like, break and stuff. Mm -hmm. Couldn't really see her face or facial expressions even from the side because we were sitting behind her table. Uh-huh. Until break. And then, yeah. wow, we'll tell you about it. Uh, with, uh, yeah, Brandy, what? I know. Yeah. <laughs> He's, our sister Kara... He she he must be closer to her age. She's forty one. Yeah. So must be. Well, I know he has kids my youngest daughter's age because she went to school with his son. But mm -hmm. anyway, I guess so. But uh, anyway, so that's kind of what the stage was like. Mm -hmm. uh, the there was a handful of detectives in the room that uh, mostly from Madison. Mm -hmm. They are the ones that found the kids. They are, yeah, yeah. They're um, the ones that you've probably you've probably seen and or heard of before, mm -hmm. the that testified at the preliminary hearing. Yeah, yep. Like Hermosillo and I know all those guys somewhat, but I couldn't think of any of their names except for Hermosillo this morning. But yeah, they were pretty much all sitting together. And uh, then there were several members of the press. Uh, East Idaho News was there. Local News Eight, Standard Journal, Post Register. Uh, True, couple crime of, <laughs> True Crime Squad. True Crime Squad, Lori Hellis, and a couple other members of the press I did not recognize. Mm -hmm. And then a handful of spectators. So total in the courtroom, besides all of the, you know, on the other side of the aisle, the court people, there mm -hmm. were about 20, 20 yeah. people in the in the spectators. Yeah, it wasn't a lot. It's not like it was hard to get in or anything. It wasn't at all. No. Um, they did allow us to have our phones on. Mm -hmm. um, of course, you know, there's a big threat at the beginning. If I hear your electronic devices, we will take them from you. So mm -hmm. everyone was super careful, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know but, I was uh, super careful. Yeah. Uh, and, and a lot of people had their computers that they were typing on as well. Um, obviously, there's absolutely no cameras in the courtroom, no filming, no recording of any sort. That's uh, that's the rule. So you're not allowed to do anything, you know, otherwise, and nobody would risk their, you know, safety or freedom to, to do it. No, so. it would have been super stupid. And there were there were a couple of different deputies like staring at the crowd the entire time, like on both it, sides. There yeah, were four and, of them staring all four or 20 of us down. Yeah, yeah. it was. A, it's a small room like you, you could not have gotten away with something like that at all. You would have been busted no. instantly. Mm -hmm. In fact, on the break, somebody. It sounded like someone had their phone on speakerphone and they had made a call. So you were mm -hmm. hearing all the dial tone and the ringing. And one of the deputies was like, whose phone is that? 
and, and we're all like, like not by me. I have no idea whose it was. It finally stopped, but yeah, I, I think it might have been one of the deputies that it was. I think it might have been a phone that was left sitting on one of the benches because nobody could claim it. Yeah, nobody had any idea whose it was. We were all like, please, no, it's not mine. Don't, no, no, please don't. No contempt here. Yeah. <laughs> it's we're a weird thing to go kids. into the courtroom. You're very nervous. Mm-hmm. You've done nothing wrong. There's no reason to feel weird, but you do because it's just, it is nerve wracking a little bit. Yeah. You know, I've, and as a social worker, I used to have to go to court all the time and it got a little better then. But even then, you know, we're just so, at least in the U.S., you know, we're very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't think of the word, um, conditioned to, yes. to kind of feel guilty, you know? Yeah. So Chad wouldn't make eye contact with Lori. I never once saw Chad look at Lori. No. He Chad never looked, looked straight away. ahead. He does his weird yep. serial killer gaze the whole time. I, I realized watching it in person that it's very much psychopath. Yeah. It's like uh, Brian Kober, that, that very looking straight ahead, no emotional reaction to anything kind of uh, look on his face, very flat. Yep. Yes, Brandy, like when cops pull up behind you on the freeway. Yes, you're instantly guilty, even though you're not really doing anything wrong. Yep, yep, exactly. Yeah, so uh, so that's how things looked. Uh, you know, they said, all right, the judge came in, things got going. Mm-hmm. Um, they argued seven different uh, things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't come up with the word at this moment. But uh, yeah, they argued motions. seven different uh, motions. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, they started with prior. And the first motion that they uh, argued was uh, prior's motion to extend the trial until April of 2024. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I said. 24. More than a year from now. Yeah, that was... Well, and you know, the thing that was weird about that is that what he argued in his motion when he when he um, presented it, it into the court on paper is not what he talked about in the hearing at all. No. Not even close. There no. was no talk on his side about bringing in a death penalty certified attorney, you know, bringing in a, you know, a, a mitigator to make sure that this, you know, that they're doing it right for the p- potential death penalty case. He didn't talk about that at all. Yep. He went a completely different direction, which was weird. And you could tell that the prosecutors were like, what? This isn't, you know. Not. Yeah. The prosecutors were like, we weren't really ready to argue this. But Mm -hmm. here's the thing. There's some weird shit happening. Remember that consumptive DNA that they fought about for like a whole year? Yes. And finally this fall, they're like, okay, here's the scoop. We're going to do the consumptive DNA. The Idaho Crime Lab is going to do it after they weren't. Now they are. Idaho Lab's going to do it. They're in Meridian, Idaho, like in the Boise mm-hmm. area. And Pryor has a, an expert, and it is he's a professor of Boise State, so he's going to go and witness that. Mm-hmm. Perfect, right? This will work. But they haven't done it. Or if they have, the report's not out yet. Right. And they're also saying that uh, they have not heard a thing from Pryor's witness, or Pryor's expert. Yeah. So... Well, I mean, after what all that, yeah, after all that. And then what they said is, by the way, the lab thinks it's pretty likely there won't actually be any DNA in this material that's being tested. Yes. 
But here's the uh, here's the barn burner. There's more. Yes. The lab also contacted uh, the prosecutor's office shortly before Christmas to let them know that there are a few more items that have DNA on them that they'd like to test. And and how? What? <laughs> they it's have had that two and a half years. Years. Yeah. Suddenly, there's like, oh, there's more hair on the duct tape. We should probably test that. Yeah. Yeah. So. The, the bottom line is none of that testing is done. None is, none of those reports have been submitted. And Pryor's whole defense for pushing the trial back was that he doesn't have that. And that even if he got it tomorrow, that it would be too, too that there's not enough time for his um, expert to review it, which is utter bullshit. I mean, sit down for 15 minutes and read this report. Boom, mm. done. Seriously. You know, it's it's very dramatic. Oh, yeah. He makes it out like this takes so long. Uh, when the report comes out, mm-hmm. an expert in DNA will read it and then just know what it means. Like Right. But then he laid out quite the threat to the court. He got away with some things today that... He did. He was a real ass. Mm-hmm. Here was the threat. He said, Your Honor, here's what's going to happen. I'm sure the judges like hearing those words. Mm-hmm. If they don't get this, if I don't get my extension, because even if they give this stuff to me now, I don't have time to put together a case by April. So even if they got it to me tomorrow, I wouldn't be able to put together a case. And Mr. Daybell over here, Chad, and he turns and like references Chad. Also, there was a podium kind of in the center of the room. Pryor was the only person that insisted on standing in front of the podium. Everyone else argued from their seat. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had to stand up in front of the podium and pontificate. He only did that once. He got himself in trouble. He didn't do it again. He did, yeah. Uh, but this was, he was standing up there, you know. And mm-hmm. he said, here's what's going to happen. Mr. Daybell, then he looks over at Chad. He goes, and as much as I like Chad, he is fully prepared. And the whole room kind of went, why? Uh, <laughs> and like, you could feel this energy ripple through the room of, you do? Right. I mean? Well, it. He said, if I don't get that evidence, then I can't properly argue Chad's case. So Chad will have no choice but to file with the courts to find me as a incompetent counsel and have to file for new counsel and fire me. And when he does mm-hmm. that, this entire case goes back to square one. And that's what's going to happen, Your Honor, if I don't get my extension. Yeah, it was it was a full on threat. Mm-hmm. He's going to fire me and we're going to start all this over again. It was ridiculous. It was that pearl clutchy high mm-hmm. drama um, defense attorney shit that he does tons of. Yep. Yep. So basically the prosecution came back and said, well, okay, I guess we're arguing this now because in your brief, yeah, you said that you wanted to extend for other reasons, but here we are. Mm-hmm. And then the prosecution pointed out that, he has on two other occasions at earlier dates said he was ready. And so they really, and was pushing for a, a date, a trial date. So they really can't understand how it is that here we are, that he's not, and he's acting like this. Right. And oh, was he pissed. Yeah. And he responded to that by pointing at and shouting at. Lindsay Blake. Lindsay Blake. Yeah. It was really bad. It was super misogynistic. It was very, uh, 
inappropriate, you address the judge. You don't address the other, you know. No. You don't address the prosecution. And the way he shouted at her and Miss Blake said, and I don't, it was not cool. It was and not she cool. said to the judge, uh, I feel like he's addressing me directly. And the judge kind of just kept going. He should have. He did agree. He said, I agree with you, Miss Blake. Yes, he did. But the way that podium was set, he was directly yeah. across from the prosecutor's table. Yeah. And so he was just looking her in the mm -hmm. eye, yelling at her, which was rude. He's such a misogynistic asshole. He does not like that he's mm -hmm. going up against female prosecutors. It was rude. It was kind of like, I don't want to say it was scary, but it was it was kind of scary. Like it was pretty unprovoked. He it was ugly. pretty unhinged. And I, it was I think ugly. that. We can all see that. Mm -hmm. We've seen that over and over again that he can, you know, none of the rest of them get like scary. He yeah. can. Yeah. He it definitely was has that ability. So that was that. He sat down. The judge basically said, all right, well, here's what we're going to do. I agree that it is completely wrong that this stuff is not done by uh, the Idaho lab. And he yeah. said to the prosecution, it is on you guys to get a fire under them and get this stuff here immediately. Like we cannot wait anymore. Right. We have to know when these reports are coming. We have to get them right away. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll call them again. We'll call them again. So then he said, if he's going to push back the date that everybody has to have their stuff turned in to be ready for trial. But he said, if we can't get this stuff soon, I will, I will have no choice but to sever. Because he said, Mr. Uh, Daybell, his his camp is correct. They have every right to that evidence. It could be exculpatory. Mm -hmm. We don't know what it is. Right. So we have to have it. Nothing. That's the other thing that's so irritating about this. Yeah. It could be nothing. That it this is completely useless, doesn't matter anyway. Mm -hmm. Likely. The lab is not. Apparently, mm -hmm. they've known that all along, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. But that's the first time I've ever heard it said. Mm -hmm. That it's very likely that there actually is no DNA. The lab seems very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. They seem very, they are, they at one point said they didn't feel like that this was a job for them and that they needed to send this uh, out of state. I don't know why the FBI lab hasn't handled this. I really uh, can't understand I, it. I don't either. I, maybe there's a process or a reason to that. I don't know, but seriously, they could have had this done forever ago. Mm -hmm. How long did it take them to get a DNA match for Brian Koberg? <laughs> not very long at all days yeah a couple of days and we are two and a half years down the road this is crazy talk yeah it is it's ridiculous but here we go now Lori has not waived her right to a speedy trial and while the judge was saying that she's over there nodding you know like mm -hmm. she does not want to waive her right to a speedy trial and she wants to go to court in april and they're going to court in april mm -hmm. if this stuff isn't done and they really can't go, there will be a sever at that point. Yeah. Yeah, the judge said that that could potentially happen. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that would suck a lot, but it's yeah. possible. All over this stupid shit, it's so stupid. Yeah, all over evidence that is most likely not evidence. Yep. They're going to review it on February 9th and mm -hmm. consider where they're at there. Mm -hmm. Yes, Spirit, we are live fresh from court. Yeah. Well, okay, we had lunch and a nap, but yeah, <laughs> but freshish from court. <laughs> so, at any rate, so the judge ruled against Pryor. We are going to court in April with a few uh, concessions along those lines. Mm -hmm. So that's where that's at. 
let's see what was the next thing the next thing was uh the oh, jury sequester the jury sequester that's right <sighs> so the prosecution wants to sequester mm -hmm. the defense uh all argued against sequester mm -hmm. basically the prosecution wants to sequester because of uh citizen investigators and citizen journalists who may uh hassle and harass the jury uh meaning like you and know witnesses. people like us well not people like us oh, because we don't do not things done like that. that but there yeah. are people who have done things like yes. that and who have made contact with witnesses and mm -hmm. you know they're worried about things like that gotten they super inappropriate this is these are local people that have done things like this this is taking the case five hours away Nobody's going to be driving over there to do shit no. like that. It's not happening. Totally. Uh, reasons against sequester. Um, what an enormous hardship it would be on jurors. Oh, my God. Um, and also how it would shrink the jury pool. Because when they start talking about a case that's going to last 8 to, to 12 weeks, who's going to be on that jury? Right. Who can actually financially do that? Mm -hmm. Child care. What if you what if you care for an elderly or sick relative? Like there's gonna be all kinds of people seeking to get off a of jury duty. Yeah. If if it's a sequester like that. Mm hmm So some good arguments on both sides, but basically the judge said no, we're not sequestering. That is way too much to ask of people. However, they are considering a list of rules uh that they'll agree upon with the court and uh the uh the defense and the uh, prosecution that would basically create a, a set of rules to try to help protect the jury and mm -hmm. help uh, like potentially sealing their names and referring mm -hmm. to them by number only mm -hmm. so that their Which names are not out before. into the public. They should do that. They should totally do that. Right. Well, and just the reminding of them that they are basically under oath themselves, that they cannot look you know look at media about the case they can't talk to anybody you know there's a lot of rules around that and they can have serious consequences if they break those rules yeah yeah and they will if this does go to the penalty phase with the death penalty they have to be sequestered during that phase so they mm -hmm. will be no matter what after the trial is over uh, during preparation for sentencing mm -hmm. that's idaho law yeah. But but not sequestered during the actual trial itself. Yeah. So that's where it's at. Judge said no sequester. So moving on to number three, and this was uh, the Lori's camp that had motion for some joint strategizing sessions, some face to face meetings between Chad and Lori with their attorneys. We talked about this a little bit last night. That's quite the ask. And Mr. Archibald argued it, and he said that he felt like there is, a, that he knows that this is an odd request, but that it, uh, he feels like both camps need together and, and talk some things out. And, you know, basically he made his argument for it, that he just feels like this is the best way to, uh, to uh, come to a settlement. He said that over and over, that this is mm -hmm. the best way to come to a settlement, to get these two in the same room together, talk some things out, start working towards a settlement. Settlement was the word. The two words that were the key yeah. for him were settlement and uh, strategize. Yes. Right? Yeah. So then he says, now, Your Honor, 
Mr. Pryor didn't file uh, anything in support or, you know, didn't file anything on this topic, but we have been in contact with him and we've talked about it. So I would really like for him to be able to, uh, you know, have his, have his say in this. I think assuming that Pryor was going to speak affirmatively to this meeting. Yeah. He even wanted it to start today. today. He said, I would like to start as soon as court is over. I would like a room for 30 minutes for these clients to meet. Uh, police can stand right outside the door to ensure their safety, but we wouldn't be recording this. The uh, prosecution wouldn't be present. This would just be a one-on-one -on -one with us and them. Well, <laughs> Pryor went ahead and kicked him right in the balls and said, he did. He said, strategize? I'm not strategizing with anybody. I have my own strategy and no one's telling me what my strategy is. I know what my strategy is and I'm not strategizing with anyone. Yeah. We are not interested in any negotiation with mm -hmm. Ms. Vallow Daybell's defense. Yeah. He, they have no intention of working together with Lori's camp to come up with a deal. Nope. Not doing it. Not doing it at all. Now he didn't flat out say we won't sit down with them. No, but he basically did said, I'm not working with them. I'm not strategizing with them. And he had no words about settlement at all. No, uh -uh. it was pretty clear that his, his um, plan is very, very different from Lori's defense plan. Mm -hmm. So then the prosecution said, look, there is no world in which this should happen. And here's why. And this killed us. This is where I really wanted to just laugh out loud. I know I snorted a little bit. Uh, and some of you guys that have been with us from the beginning. You'll understand why. Yes. Uh, the, <laughs> Lindsay Blake said, there's no world in which this could happen because of attorney-client privilege. If Lori and her attorneys sit down with Chad and his attorney, anything Lori says that Chad's attorney hears and anything that Chad says that Lori's attorney hears could turn them into witnesses. witnesses. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the whole make them a witness thing about the prosecutor mm -hmm. like two years ago? <laughs> that Mark Means was so determined to uh, turn the prosecutors all into witnesses. Yeah. He tried to call Rob Wood to the stand. Yeah. You remember that? And we died. So that came up and we both uh, just about couldn't look at each other because that was too much. Well, especially because Pryor jumped right on that, basically said, well, your honor, if any, if any attorney present during a conversation like that would make them a, uh, would make them a witness, I'll take that all day long. And we, we knew exactly uh -huh. and something about pretty ironic to hear the uh, prosecution saying that. Yeah. <laughs> basically the judge like, the judge was basically like, the prosecutor is never a witness. Right. Ever a witness. Well, there's no attorney-client privilege when you're meeting with the prosecutor. The mm -hmm. prosecutor is talking to witnesses. He's not representing them. Therefore, you yeah. know, yeah. Yeah. That these defense attorneys don't seem to understand what the prosecutor's job is in this yeah. case. 
Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But that witness piece almost killed us. Uh, anyway, the judge agreed, and he said, no, it's not happening. Basically, and this is what the prosecution and the judge reiterated, Lori and Chad can talk to each other through their attorneys. Right. Through their attorneys. I really wish the prosecutor would bring up the fact that for some reason, the sheriff allowed a phone call between Chad and Lori this summer. Yeah, I don't know. That wasn't what supposed the... to happen. No. And what the no. circumstances behind that were, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That was very strange. Very strange. Yeah. But at any rate, the judge said, yeah, it's not for every reason listed. This is not appropriate. Also, he said, this is a burden to put on the, uh, the, the sheriff's office. He said, the sheriff is not going to want to do this. They don't, for the safety of uh, everyone involved. I mean, basically, these two attorneys are saying, we want to be turned loose with these people that are accused of murder in a room with no security. Right, yeah, where the security could only be outside the door. Mm-hmm. And the judge is like, eh, we don't think that's a good idea. That's not how we do things. Now, Lori could be overpowered by a third grader. I'm not too mm-hmm. concerned about her. But Chad's a bigger man. I mean, he's mm-hmm. thin and pale and, you know, very uh, obviously uh, malnourished, malnourished from all those yeah. hot pockets. But, you know, uh, still, it's just not how things are done. So mm-hmm. it's a liability well, to the court. And I mean, ultimately, these two are co-conspirators and co-conspirators are never supposed to be allowed to speak. Once they're arrested, they are not supposed to have any contact with one another whatsoever so that they cannot continue their conspiracy. And mm-hmm. and Lori's camp tried to say that the conspiracy is over and what they can't Ooh. do any more uh, evil acts anymore because yeah. they're both in jail, which was a weird, weird thing to say. That statement, I wrote it down because I was like, yeah. wow, he said, Your Honor. The conspiracy is over. There is no more evil doing to be done. Now we just need them to sit down and talk. I'm like, you're the defense attorney? You didn't even say allegedly or anything. Yeah, no, not at all. Holy moly. That was really interesting. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, they're (laughs) co-conspirators. They should not be allowed to speak because they could continue the conspiracy. Mm Mm-hmm. Jean said, they all seem to be forgetting about a little detail called dismemberment. Right. <laughs> Amen, Jean. Exactly, yes. Jean. <laughs> yep. So that's uh, the other part of that, though, that got very interesting is finally, uh, before the judge ruled, uh, Mr. Archibald had one more chance to uh, chime in. And he said, mm-hmm. maybe I should give you some, uh, uh, some backstory about how this conversation and why this request came to be. He said the prosecution sent us a letter and asking us if uh, Lori was ready to uh, make a deal. Mm-hmm. 
And so we sat down with Lori and asked her if she'd be ready to, to make a deal. And she said, I don't know. What does my husband think? So she wants to talk to her husband, not as a co-conspirator, but as her husband. Anytime you're offered a deal, you're going to sit down and talk that over with your parents, your siblings, your friends, people that can give you counsel. And Lori just wants her husband. Yeah. Are you motherfucking kidding me, man? Right. That, no. I'm sorry, but he ceased to be just your husband when you conspired to murder people and then to do it. So, yeah, the judge was like, yeah, for all of these reasons and more, no. No, no, no. So that concluded the first part of the hearing. I wondered if Lori was going to be devastated. I mean, literally, he was talking about a face-to-face as soon as court was over. And the judge just said no. And Lori's just bouncing around, chatting it up with her attorney, flipping her head, being all friendly. Yeah, there was no emotional response to that at all. I found that really interesting, too. Yeah, I had wondered if she was just going to be heartbroken when the judge said no. Nah, not at all. Mm -hmm. But she never seems to show any sadness at all. No. No. She's all smiles and giggles. There's no, there's no yeah. smiles or there's no. no sadness. And even that she didn't seem to have a response to. And mm-hmm. Chad was just stone faced through all of that too. Yep. So at this point, Chad's part was over. So uh, he was let out of the courtroom and taken back to jail. Prior left too, or so I thought, um, they took Lori out, so I'm guessing she could go to the bathroom and brought her back. And then they opened the doors and allowed the rest of us to come and go. We mm-hmm. just stayed in our seats. Uh, some of the journalists wandered around, talked to each other a little bit. The officers were all in the back room visiting with each other. Mm-hmm. And then finally, court came back into session. And so now the whole show was with Lori's camp. And this was all of their motions regarding the death penalty. Yeah. So the first thing that they were arguing was the death penalty in general, mm-hmm. right? That it is unconstitutional. That it's unconstitutional. We've talked about that quite a bit, so I don't know that we need to go into great detail here. Um, this was mostly argued by Mr. Archibald. Most of the, the this portion was argued by Mr. Archibald. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Thomas did chime in somewhat. But they talked about the constitutionality of the death penalty in general, Mm-hmm. That the way it's being applied in the U.S. currently, it doesn't really follow the letter of the law in the Constitution. And basically, the defense came back, or the prosecution came back and said, well, yes, it does. You know, I mean, I... And it is the law of the land in Idaho, so, mm-hmm. yeah. So what are you going to do? Then, hmm, help me. Let's see. So, so the and the judge said he was, he will order this, he will you know, wait to um, comment, you know, to rule on all of the death penalty stuff in written form. Uh, Yes. Oh, the next part was arguing the uh, death penalty certified uh, jury. Yeah. And so they, they don't want the death, the jury to be death penalty certified. Because in doing that, they are, for one, here's the thing. When they certify a jury jury for death penalty, here's the question they ask. Do you agree with the death penalty in the United States? And if you say no, 
you are dismissed from that jury. So when there's a death penalty case happening, none of the jurors are anti-death penalty. They're not allowed to be on the, on the, uh, on the jury, which, you know, um, Archibald said right away, that is an immediate bias. Right. And And it it is all Catholics. Mm -hmm. Anybody that says for religious reasons or Mm -hmm. moral reasons, for whatever reason, I'm against the death penalty, they can't be on that jury, which Mm -hmm. means that it is only people that are kind of on the fence about the death penalty or pro death penalty that can be on that jury. And, Mm -hmm. and I I thought this was a very valid concern Mm -hmm. is that already you have a jury that is biased toward giving this person the death penalty. Mm -hmm. I'd never heard anyone say it that way before, but that made a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. It really did. I, I really appreciated his thoughts. I will tell you, I felt like Archibald absolutely hit it out of the park. He did. He's going to lose on this, but he he hit it out of the park with his arguments. He was very eloquent. He made Mm -hmm. some really, really good points. Um, on He's this clearly portion. very passionately anti-death penalty. Obviously. Yeah. And and serves as a death penalty um, certified attorney for a reason, mm-hmm. which I, I appreciate it because he's right. People get the death penalty that shouldn't. The Absolutely. death penalty gets overturned all the time because yeah. of mistakes that are made. Absolutely. It, it's getting, it's bordering on pointless at this point. It is. So that was the second piece was just arguing whether or not, uh, you know, that they don't want a death penalty certified jury. because And basically what it does is it really cuts a, a big cross-section out of uh, the jury pool. Yeah, it means you really are not getting a jury of your peers. Yep. If people are blanket disqualified mm-hmm. if they are anti-death penalty. Yes. That is, that's a concern. It is. It's a huge concern. Also, there's some thought there that some jurors will think the death penalty is required if it's requested by the prosecutor yes it yeah. sets up some thoughts about the death penalty that may not really be accurate but it creates mm-hmm. a bias in the jurors if you are sitting on a case that is a death penalty case you're more likely statistically more likely to believe that the person is guilty going in and that your job is just to decide whether they get the death penalty or not right. versus is this person guilty in general right Right. It's a and, really interesting argument. And so they do this two-pronged um, trial, basically, to try to prevent that. I don't think it works. I think he's right. But so basically mm-hmm. the first trial is guilty or innocent. Mm-hmm. If they're found guilty, then there is a second shorter trial that is for do they qualify for the death penalty or not if they're given first-degree murder. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you know, yep. so that's what the prosecution was saying as well. We have this in place. This is what other states are doing, too, to help prevent that from happening. But mm-hmm. does it really mean it does prevent it from happening? Because I have real questions, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Now, while this is all going down, Pryor returned to court. Yeah. He wasn't, uh, you know, sitting in the in the attorney's box now. He's just sitting in the audience with the rest of us. And mostly not watching what was going on with the court, but watching all of us. Yeah. With the it previous was weird and creepy. Grin. Yeah, uncomfy. I have to say that at least three times I accidentally made eye contact with him and he grinned at me. And I was like, because oh. he just kept like scanning <laughs> so the room. Weird. 
but he like had his back to the judge. It was yeah. real strange. Just really looking everybody down, kind of like I don't know. Christy and I both went. It was kind of like a please like me. Yeah, <laughs> it, it really was. It was kind I'm not of the a, villain. I'm not the bad guy. He's smiling, and you're like, I said to Christy, do you think he knows? <laughs> No, he doesn't. But uh, anyway, it was just very odd. He was really trying, I think, to come across as I'm not uh, such a hated guy, you know, because mm -hmm. everybody has been like, you're representing Chad Daybell, F you, you know, yeah. it was very weird. I'm sure he did not. But, uh, you know, it was just weird. No, he doesn't but know who we are. <laughs> there was one prior moment that killed me half to death. Oh, <laughs> it was when the judge said, I'm going to need some time with these uh, briefs because they are so voluminous. <laughs> and at that moment, I went and I looked up and I noticed the court clerk kind of smirking and chuckling. And I looked at Pryor and he was chuckling and they made eye contact. <laughs> he had a little moment with the court clerk. They were both giggling just a little bit about a voluminous. They know about the virus. They know about the they voluminous know. virus. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't take, though. No one else said it except for the judge. Yeah. And it was near the end. But uh -huh. it was one of those things that you're, like, waiting to hear, you know. Mm -hmm. Are they going to say voluminous, you know. Mm -hmm. Pryor did not say crack at the apple even once, which not was one too time. bad. Very sad. Yeah. One of the things that uh, that stuck out to me in the second half is that you have heard me say how impressed I was with that brief, right? That big anti-death penalty brief, the death penalty is unconstitutional, that Lori's camp had filed. And at the time mm -hmm. I said, this is a fantastic brief. These guys hit it out of the park. They really outdid themselves. Guess what, yo? No, they didn't. This It's not theirs. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's they said that this is something now, come on, prior needs to pay attention. They said this is something that is almost always filed across the country in death penalty cases uh, because so many death penalty attorneys are not vibing with the death penalty. Right. right. You guys, Pryor has not filed a single thing arguing the death penalty. Not, not a single argument. And this blanket form that everybody files in death penalty cases, yeah, he didn't file that. Do you think he has the template for it on his computer? I'm thinking no. Well, I know Although, you can get it online. Yeah. Well, I also think um, that some people wait to file this during the penalty phase. They don't do it prior to yeah. the, because they did talk about that in court. They don't do it yeah. prior to the trial. But um, Lori's attorneys mm -hmm. wanted the judge thinking about it now. Yeah. Because they went through all of the yucky, she doesn't really qualify because, you know, here's all the reasons why her crime wasn't bad enough, which was really gross. And I think a mistake mm -hmm. for them. Mm -hmm. They should shut up about that because yep. dismembered children are certainly bad enough for the death penalty. And I don't think yeah. anybody is going to doubt that. Except for that they are still saying, we are going to show. But Lori didn't have anything to do with it. And and this is a new one. Now they did already say she has a, an alibi, right? That is very weak. Uh, mm -hmm. But they did say she has an alibi. This time they said Lori didn't have anything to do with it and didn't know anything about it. Yeah. Which is going to be real tough to swallow considering that those kids died 10 days apart. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know how you explain that. Well, he kept bringing up, uh, Archibald kept bringing up 
or no, this was Thomas this was, was Thomas. bringing up that, that what she should have been charged with is felony murder. Mm-hmm. And felony murder is, it doesn't qualify. Felony murder is like if you're committing a crime and a murder happens accidentally where mm-hmm. there was no intent, it wasn't planned, mm-hmm. then that's felony murder. And they kept saying that that's what she should be charged with, which is bullshit because they weren't committing a different crime. They were committing murder. Mm-hmm. They're what, they weren't robbing a bank and then accidentally killed somebody right. unplanned. And and that's the difference between the conspiracy to commit mm-hmm. murder versus felony murder is that there is intent. Mm-hmm. But you can see what they're trying to set up here is that Alex and Chad were responsible. And yep. poor little Lori was just sitting over her in her apartment being crazy and not knowing what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely the, the vibe we're getting. Well, the other vibe, and this was so very interesting because this came up so many times, was that... Um, Mr. Archibald made it very clear that they are recommending to Lori that she take a deal. Oh yeah. That she take a, a plea. And yeah. I, I don't think we will see Lori go to trial. I he said in a death penalty case, I consider it a loss mm. if, if my client go to goes to trial yep. because she's much more likely to get the death penalty. If we can plead this, you know, he was quite clear. They're going to plead oh, this. Yeah. They're going to, if they don't plead this, I'd be amazed. They're going to plead this and Pryor's going to get his extension. Will he get it clear until April 2024? I don't think so. But will he get maybe like October? Could happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, because it's so like Pryor is just absolutely, we are going to trial. Mm -hmm. And then you have these real death penalty attorneys that are like, yeah, we don't go to trial in death penalty cases. We, we, you know, we, we get a plea. We, we get, we, we make a deal. Which you'll and notice. Those attorneys are looking at him like, what are you doing? Uh-huh. They haven't filed shit about discovery, about evidence, about that DNA. They Nothing. haven't said a single thing about it because they no. aren't looking at that. They are trying to get her a plea deal. Yeah, they are. And I would imagine after today, when the judge said no, and Prior made it very clear that we aren't friends and we're not working together here, mm-hmm. that they are going to be working double time now to get her to settle on something. Yep. I think so too. I yeah. think we're going to see her take a deal and, and be done with this. And yeah. I can't imagine that these attorneys aren't thinking that Pryor is the biggest fucking idiot that ever walked mm-hmm. after the way that he behaved today, yeah. how rude he was to them and how clear he was that he has mm-hmm. no interest in strategizing with them or negotiating with them mm-hmm. that he so wants a sever. Did. I mean, he's been clear over and over. I'm mm-hmm. not working with them. I want to sever that that does not support my case. That doesn't support my client. I don't want to do this. I want to sever and that's what he's still strategizing for himself is to get that sever and I think he'll get it in the uh, event not at the sever so much but except for that he will get it because Lori's going to plead. Yeah, I, I yeah. really think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and and uh, Jerry, yes, yes. I mean, the prosecution has already reached out to Lori's attorneys and said, hey, do you want to get together and make a deal? We'd love to keep this out of trial. Trials are so yep. expensive and traumatic for everybody. You know, can we make a deal here? Yep. They were testing the waters today, I think, to mm-hmm. see if um, where Chad and... and um, prior we're going to fall on this yeah. and very clearly they're falling uh very far away from them yep. so i think we will now see that Lori will take a deal I, mm-hmm. yeah i think so too i think that um mr archibald and mr thomas are having to be extremely careful 
mm-hmm. with their conversations with Lori yeah. to get her to this place without yeah. completely shutting the door and alienating her mm-hmm. because she still wants to talk to her husband. She does. She is in such a weird place of denial and bullshit here. Mm-hmm. And she's... I think they are treating her with very careful kid gloves. Mm-hmm. But today should have felt like a major rejection. I don't know it if it did, have, but it, it should have. It didn't appear to sink in to her, mm-hmm. but I'm no, sure it did they're going to have to have a harsh conversation with her mm-hmm. and really hurt her feelings to wake her up that your husband's not choosing you. Yeah. He's not helping you. He, he didn't even want to sit down and talk to you yeah. in court. He won't even look at you. Somebody else yeah. said that they had read that she tried to sneak a couple of peeks at him, but he didn't look back. That could have been. She was sitting two different ways. She mm-hmm. would either push her chair back quite a bit behind her attorneys, and she could have been looking around them at Chad. That's that's mm-hmm. easily true. Um, but she also had her chair as angled as close to Archibald as she could possibly get, like mm-hmm. almost touching him. She was yeah. right up against him. Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. It wasn't like she was like staring at him and going out of her way to see him. No. But she had to pull her chair back that way so that she could have kind of looked around her attorneys to at least look at the back of him. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that did happen. I watched mm-hmm. her a lot to see if she was trying to look at Chad. Not so much, but I feel like if that's true, that's how it happened. Right. But, but he uh, did not. He was straight ahead the entire time. We would even just when no she walked in. Yeah. yeah, even when she walked in and there was kind of a, you know, a little commotion as she and her attorneys were coming in and getting settled. He didn't turn and look at her at all. She's not working, Archibald, though, because it's not working. No. It's not He's, working. She might be trying to, but. It's not working. It's not he, anything like what we saw with Mark Means. Nothing no. like that. No. He's impervious to the golden vagina completely. Yeah, yeah. he is. There, there's just no, yeah, that there's no reaction there at all. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's basically what happened. So there was no ruling today on death penalty. There was one other thing with death penalty, though. And this one was really interesting because it's something we've talked about a lot. And that is that although um, you can get the death penalty in Idaho, death penalty, Idaho, that does not mean you will be executed. He listed off, what, nine people that are sitting on death row in Idaho that have been on there. Some of them have been on there 35 years. Uh, uh, Gerald, no, not Gerald. Yeah, Gerald Pizzuto has been on for 35 years. Robin Lee Rowe has been on for 30 years. Idaho's not very good at actually following through with death penalty, Mm -hmm. um, with actual execution. And he, you know, like he's her attorney was saying, it's extremely expensive to have someone on death row and then all of their appeals and all the stuff they put them through. And then Idaho can't even get the drugs to execute anybody. The bad drugs. The bad drugs. He said kill. He did not say execute or put to death. He said kill or murder over Mm -hmm. and over and over. And then he said, Idaho can't even get the bad drugs. His terminology was pretty, uh, pretty glaring. Yeah, Yeah, it was. It really was. Um, But yeah, I mean, honestly, after watching that, they are very clearly going to take a deal. They're very yeah. clearly, and the state has already offered. Like, do you want to? Do you want to negotiate? Should we talk th- about this? It's yeah. pretty clear that's already going to happen on Lori's part, and mm-hmm. I think it's pretty likely they won't on Chad's. Yep. Yeah, Pryor's just out there with his big dick swinging, you know, yeah. trying to put on a show, and 
I don't know if she was wearing a wedding band. I couldn't see her hands. Could you see? I could not see her hands. I didn't think that she was. I didn't notice it, but it's hard to tell. Yeah. I noticed, too, that uh, in the pictures of her being loaded in the cop car, she's wearing a big black coat. She was not mm -hmm. wearing that in the courtroom. She mm -hmm. came in with no coat. Yeah. So they had put that on her and taken it off of her elsewhere. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, not that I could see. No, no. But it the the very different energy between the two defenses was, we've oh. kind of known this for a while, but it was shocking mm -hmm. to be present for it and to realize that, yeah, Chad's camp has absolutely no interest in working with Lori's at all. None. It's also really glaring that Lori's attorneys really are being extremely thoughtful and careful about this process and know what they are doing. Mm -hmm. Now, I'll say I don't really like Thomas that much. I just, yeah. I don't like his energy so much. I think he's pretty arrogant. Um, he's actually can be very whiny and rude in court too. We've seen it. I, I have so much respect for Archibald right now. I can't even, I, yeah. you know, I'm never going to completely like him because, you know, I'm not, but, uh, but wow. His arguments today were fantastic. He was very professional. Uh-huh. He worked, he'd obviously he, done his homework, worked hard. He knows his stuff. But then Rachel Smith dunked on him so hard. <laughs> <laughs> so bad oh my god so you, Rachel you had smith, to love it oh my gosh she is such a badass so rachel smith is the special prosecutor that they brought in from missouri you know the one that mark means and Pryor both have fought really hard to not allow mm -hmm. told lies about her you know insisted that there's nothing about her on the internet and you go to google and there's like four pages i mean it's so stupid but mm -hmm. anyway that rachel smith that they're obviously terrified of so Rachel was in the uh, argument chair for the last of the death penalty arguments. And after, after poor Archibald had made this beautiful argument against the death penalty and about against the death penalty in Idaho, it's not fiscally responsible. They can't afford to kill people here. They don't have the drugs to kill people here. Mm -hmm. We have all these people. He listed, you know, like we said, the names of every single person, all eight people in Idaho that are on death row. We haven't mm -hmm. done an execution since 2011. This is stupid. It needs to stop. Yada, yada. Right. <laughs> Rachel Smith says, well, I really have to applaud Mr. Archibald for making an excellent argument and being such a good advocate. <laughs> but he failed. <laughs> It was so blunt and abrupt. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Here's why he failed. And she's not wrong. Mm -hmm. She said he failed because regardless of his feelings on the death penalty and regardless of how uh, all of the arguments against how uh, Idaho is handling it, the people of Idaho have voted for legislators who have created this death penalty process in Idaho and until the legislature makes a change in the death penalty, it isn't this court's authority to change it. It yeah. just isn't. And she's correct. And he will lose this argument. And this is why. Yeah, he will. But uh, the way she said that. But he failed. <laughs> it was a kick in the dick. It, really was. it was. I think we all sucked our breath in just a little. Yeah, the whole room went. <laughs> <laughs> we. We laughed pretty hard about that. Yeah, I said in the car, Rachel, honey, this is why nobody likes you. But keep it up. You're a badass. <laughs> but it was a good point, a very good point. That is the rule. You, you don't like the law in Idaho? Go be an advocate. Go argue against it at the legislature. Go get some of your 
representatives from your district and convince them that we need to do something different. Do all of those things. Start some petitions in this state. Start talking about the death penalty and how dumb and expensive it is. He said, here in uh, Idaho that claims to be so fiscally conservative, I can't believe we're still doing this, mm -hmm. which I also thought was a good point. But people in Idaho point. are also bloodthirsty rednecks and mm -hmm. they do want the death penalty. Yeah. I would be very surprised in my lifetime to see it overturned in Idaho. I would too, honestly. I would too. So I, I think we're more likely to get weed here before we are to not get the death penalty. Mm -hmm. and, and that's saying something because, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is that it? How'd we do that? That is it. Yeah. Okay. We will be back tonight at seven for the psychic hour for any of you that uh, subscribe to that. Mm -hmm. Otherwise we'll be back next week. Do know that we are going to count this uh, production here as our Monday case. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause we've had a lot going on. So we'll be back with a brand new episode on Tuesday. Is it true that people on death row for over 30 years and no one has been put to death? Oh yeah. That is true. Yeah, yeah Gerald Pizzuto has been on uh, death row for 35 years. There's only one woman in Idaho that's on death row. She's been on death row for 30 years. Yeah, and a federal Monroe. judge. Yeah, and a federal judge just ordered another reexamination of her case. Yeah. So, you know, the system itself really doesn't want to be executing these people. Yeah. Uh, but the I, what happens is that once they go into the system, then I think Joe Blow Citizen doesn't know. Yep. what happens from there yep yep for sure don't forget if you would like to if you appreciate our work today <laughs> go to com. there's a couple ways there to buy us a coffee or leave us a tip we do appreciate that a lot mm -hmm. because we put a lot of time into this and we definitely did today and uh i'm very glad that we did i feel like we learned so much Yes. And just so you know, there is court again on February 9th. Mm. Now, here's our commitment. We are committing to go to court every time there is court now until the trial starts. Yeah. As you know, the trial is five hours from us. We won't mm -hmm. be going to it. Hopefully, no. we'll be able to go down here and there and attend a day or two. That's our hope. We'll see. Yeah. But we'll see what happens. Um, we also have no idea how crowded that courtroom is going to be and if we'd even be able to get in. We're also hoping mm -hmm. that at that point, Mr. Pryor still has an objection out there in the ethers about cameras in the courtroom. He wants cameras in the courtroom. Yep. And we're still hoping that by the time we get to that point, that the judge lifts his ban on cameras in the courtroom yeah. and goes ahead and lets the whole thing air. And if that's the case, that'll make whole life a lot easier for us to be able to help keep you guys updated. Otherwise, we're all going to do the best we can because it's going to be something. Yep. Yep. Alrighty. Well, that is it. So thank you guys so much for being here. Thanks for uh, supporting us in all the ways that you do. And again, we're just going to keep an eye on this and everything else too. So mm -hmm. <laughs> this has been yet another production of the True Crime Squad. Take care. Bye, everybody.